Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name is John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired Baltimore police sergeant. In most episodes of the Law Enforcement Today radio show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about issues that affect law enforcement officers, both active and retired, their families, friends, and supporters. We'll also be discussing incidents in the news from the perspective of those in law enforcement. Visit our website, lawenforcementtoday.com, and be sure to like and follow us on Facebook. Search for Law Enforcement Today. Thanks for joining us today on Law Enforcement Today, the radio show. I'm John J. Wiley. Just call me Jay. Joining us, Robert Greenberg is the studio with you, Jay. We'll just call you CEO. CEO. No, don't do that because somebody will come in and tell us what CEO really stands for. Or they'll think that you are CEO and that means you have lots of money. Yeah. No. No. Still working. He's a captain in the police department down here in South Florida. I'm retired from the Baltimore Police Department. And speaking of Baltimore Police Department, got a special guest I'm really excited about having on the show. Kenny Driscoll, retired police detective. Such a character. I think folks are going to love this guy. He's a very passionate individual. Great police and just a really all-around good guy. If nothing else, stick around and so people can understand what it's like to have a Baltimore accent. And it is so profound. I don't have much of one. There are certain words, I get it, but there's certain parts of Maryland, there's two different accents. And in the east side of Baltimore, where he's from, the Dundalk, Highland Town, Canton area, tremendous Baltimore accent. So they'd say things like, go down the ocean, hun. And uh, it's just a different world. So he'll be a guest today. And also joining us will be Bobby White from Gainesville Police Department, also known as the Basketball Cop. Correct. Bobby will be on the show. And in fact, a lot of you might know Bobby already because we do a lot of posting and sharing for Bobby, uh, doing some incredible things with outreaches to kids that love to play basketball. And he had this viral video that uh, showed him on his dash cam playing basketball with some kids. That might that ring the bell for some people. Set the whole thing going. And it's amazing how it went from a call for service for loud kids playing basketball to him interacting with the kids to the video being posted to this this nationwide movement. Shaq O'Neal. Oh, Shaquille O'Neal's involved. And the NBA's involved. It's big. He's going to be a guest with us today. And we just had a really good time. One of the things that we talked about for a while is uh, the term cop. We have. The history of the term cop. Now, I've always heard it was constables on patrol. You were the thinking that came from the the copper badges. Right, the badges. Buttons, something to do with the metal. And we're going to find out from Kenny Driscoll, the police history researcher that he is. He's so extraordinarily good at it. Where it really comes from. And the question was on the website, lawenforcementtoday.com, a while ago we posted, do you find the term cop offensive? And by and large, the vast majority of people don't. That was clear cut. Do not be offended by the word cop. The only time I ever found it offensive, I hate to admit it. I always say generally, it depends on the tone of voice and who's saying it. And it was generally speaking was when it's a defense attorney saying it, then I'd correct them. (laughs) What were you doing in front of a defense attorney, Jay? I wasn't. Court testifying all the time. <laughs> I was not the defendant ever. Just, just to make it clear, I was always a good guy. Still try to be a good guy. Still are. Yeah, I, I have my moments. I do. So we'll talk about that. And also, speaking of lawenforcementtoday.com, want to remind folks, check out the store. And you can also access the store from the Facebook page as well, correct? Facebook page. And also, if you go to the website, you can't miss it. The uh, tab is green. Check it out. There's some great sales going on right now we you have, got a special uh, going on you just hooked me up with something pretty cool that's correct we gave you one uh as complimentary you want to see it on your next 
live post. My, my Facebook live video, I'll have it hanging in my studio at the house, and it's the, the police blue line flag. Correct. So, and right now we have them buy one, get one free. So how much is that going to run you? Eighteen ninety nine. get two flags. That's a good deal. Check it out at lawenforcementtoday.com. Joining us on the phone from Baltimore, Maryland, my old stomping grounds, retired Detective Kenny Driscoll. Kenny, how are you? How you doing? It's so good to hear a proper Baltimore accent. Boy, you you're got. you're living the high life today, a Baltimore person on the phone with Jay. And see, I'm not originally from Baltimore. I was I I was a Navy brat, so I lived everywhere. And then when I got hired by the Baltimore Police Department, I was shocked because I I didn't think I had what it took. But that's a story for another day. And I fell in love with the people of Baltimore, and they've got this unique accent, right? That's right. You know, I did the same thing. When I, I was going to go to the county, I was hired, and then they cut me from the class before the class started, made me a second alternate. So if, if two people would have left, I'd have got hired back. So I went to the city to get experience, and I was going to lateral over to the county once I got the experience. But once you do a year or two of Baltimore City Police, and you don't want to leave. It's tough. I had a chance to go to Prince George's County about five years on, and I went down there for the interview, did the physical test, all that stuff, and I was like, I can't do it. I can't leave. And we've had guys that left and came back. Oh, yeah. So so what is it? What is it, Kenny? From your perspective, why can people not leave Baltimore PD? I think it's that there's um, a brotherhood there that I don't think you can get anywhere. You know, it's not an adrenaline rush because policing is the same everywhere. But the Brotherhood in Baltimore, is, there's nothing like it. If you join the Marines or something like that, it's, there's really nothing like it. And i got to say, for the record, Kenny and I worked in the same district for a period of time. So yeah, I do, I and I've, also, I've also worked with him quite a bit on Baltimore City Police History website and doing audio right. uh, and for memorials for first lane officers. And you were retired early. You, you received a catastrophic injury in the line of duty. Do you want to tell people yeah, how that t- happened? I was chasing a carjack suspect on foot, and he ran into what looked like a set of woods. And, of course, I had tunnel vision, so I went in behind him and did like a Wally Coyote. I ran in about two steps and realized there was no ground under me. It was a tree line to a ravine. So I fell head first, 40 feet. The first 20 of it was airborne. I landed on my chest and like the side of my face and kicked myself in the back of the head. So I folded in half backwards and then slid down the hill 22 feet and came to a like a path and i saw him he had slid down like it was a sliding board and got up and ran so i popped up and ran after him i initially thought i broke my hips injured my hips because i had a real sloppy run but later on i found out that i broke in my back so after you fell you actually got up and ran yeah i ran a quarter mile and then after that i once i couldn't see him anymore then all the pain set in the adrenaline went away I broke one wrist, sprained the other wrist. I had a stick sticking out of my side about the diameter of a pencil that went in about two inches. I pulled that out while I was running. Um, ran through a path. Had to swim through water all kinds. Of, it, was, it was exciting. <laughs> it, that kept the adrenaline up the whole time. Right. But once I couldn't see him or hear him no more, that was all gone. And I felt the pain of everything. The first officer that found me wanted to get me to a shock trauma. But I, had to, I was OIC. I had to go back and call my sergeant and tell him what had happened. So I actually walked back to my car. Wow. And drove back into the station. And you were you were totally busted up. Oh yeah, I was a mess. My clothes was all torn up. My I had cuts from head to toe. Well, that um, right there is not unusual in Baltimore to be ever uniform all messed up right. and all cut up. That was going to be my next question, Kenny. When did you know that this incident, this tumble, as you say, or right? When did you know that that was career ending? 
I, I was told, I was told Norn. I mean, I actually came back to work and oh like a couple times, yeah, a couple times I'd go, like they'd find me in a corner, like trying to get my back to stop hurting. Then they took, they sent me back down to Mercy and Mercy did a, had to do a surgery. And that's when they said, you know, it's getting worse. They tried different things. The, the paralysis was coming on. I could feel it. It was getting numb, kept getting number. And then I couldn't, like when I walked, I had to like lift my leg to sort of bring it around, the, my left leg to sort of bring it around. How and, old were uh, you when it, that happened? Uh, I was 37. And then I was 39 when they retired me. And so I just turned 53 the other day. We're, we're getting older, but you're still always younger than me. It's a, your, your career ended before you were ready, kind of like mine. Your, your injuries were oh, yeah. far more severe than mine. And I don't want to downplay uh, what you went through. Someday we're going to have you on to talk about how much your life has changed. People don't hear about what happens to wounded officers that receive catastrophic injuries and how much it changes their life. And not only their life, but their family members' lives, like your wife, Patty. I know yeah. that she takes care of you. So we will, we will definitely have you back on as a guest again. But one of the things I brought you on is because you have become quite a prolific police researcher over the years with BaltimoreCitiesHistory.com. Tell us a little bit how that website got going and how you got involved. There was a guy named Bill Hackley who had built the site, and it was about 90 pages. And he was, I mean, he was awesome at digging up history and putting it on in a nice order. He really kept records well. But he was pretty bad with his, like, Photoshop skills. So I went and asked him if I could help him with that. And so I got on and started doing that. And for about eight years, I was doing those pictures for him. And we become really good friends. And then when he passed away in 2012, he left the website to me. And his wife wanted me to, she was going to let it stay on their server. And it was costing her about $40 a month. So she, um, I asked if I could rebuild it so I could, because she wouldn't take the $40 a month from me. So I rebuilt the site. Uh, two times now. It's up to 600 and some odd pages now. But we have tons of categories and all that, but it all started with Bill Hackley. Man, Bill Hackley was a hell of a guy. Good police, yeah. without a doubt. And a great guy. Just like you. I'm glad uh, I'm glad you have something to pick up and stay in contact with the Brotherhood. Thank God. Oh, he's, he's a player up there, let me tell you. And if you want a Photoshop thing done, what's your nickname on online? for? Is it Photoshop Cop? Is that what it is? Well, yeah, one is Photoshop Cop. That's over on, like, Flickr and all that. And then on Facebook, it's Retired Detective Kenny Driscoll. And you also have another nickname for yourself. What, what is that? History Detective. Okay. Awesome. So what, oh, what, Cripple, what? I also use Cripple Ken. <laughs> Kenny, what is the website all about from your perspective? Well, the real thing is to preserve the history of the Baltimore Police Department in a positive way and also to remember our fallen and our injured. We've actually found about two dozen officers that have died in the line of duty that, that aren't listed on our walls or given credit anywhere. They're not recognized anywhere. So we make sure that we give everybody recognition. And on the day that they fell, we make sure that we have everybody remember them. It used to be, Bill used to just put the guy's name that passed away or the girl's name that passed away. And what I started doing was putting the story behind it because I thought the longer someone spends reading about them and learning about them, the more they're going to remember them that day and spend time thinking of them. Absolutely. So, now it's a nice long story and you get to know the officer and find out more about him so it's, it's kind of interesting well we'd love for you to share some of that stuff with uh, law enforcement today we'd love to post it and we're going to make you a contributor after the interview robert's going to talk with you about doing some some contributing on the law enforcement website what do you think sure 
He's good. He's some some voiceover too. Yeah. Oh, this voice. <laughs> now, one of the things we talked about, we ran a poll on the website a while ago, and also on our Facebook page. That's lawenforcementtoday.com. Do you find the term cop offensive? C-O-P. Do you really know the, the history of the term cop? Now, personally, I don't find the term offensive. I wear it as a badge of honor. And I always say it depends on how they say it and who says it. You what know? about if they call you pig? I, back in Baltimore, Kenny, did everyone call you pig in Baltimore? I, yeah, I've been called pig and worse. I, I actually was surprised on Mother's Day when I don't get any cards because I, I was called mother and all that. <laughs> when people call me a pig sometimes in northwest Baltimore, I would reply with, Pig stands for pride, integrity, and guts. So where the term pig came from, don't you? No. Okay, from the gas mask. When they wear the when they were wearing the gas masks and throwing like smoke grenades into crowds during some of the rides. Oh, back the that would make sense. And, and prior, it looked like a pig face, and that's where the term pig came from. That's, I did not know that. See that? Chalk up one for Kenny. What about the term cop? <laughs> Do you know where the term cop came from? Well, I know that there's a lot of rumor about it. I know they say it's copper from the buttons and uh, constable and patrol and all that, and I know those are all wrong. It's actually derives from the word caper, so that's... Like C-A-P-E-R? caper? C-A-P-P, right, caper. And then, and I guess that's just the pronunciation, because a lot of things change over pronunciation, not police-related, but the, the word Jeep comes from a general-purpose vehicle, which right. is called a GP in the military. And they just sort not, and they start saying Jeep, and then it became Jeep, or GP real fast. Sounds like Jeep. So, you know, we tend to, to uh, massacre our words or our language, and that's how caper became copper. Oh. And, uh, and the rest goes on from there. But cop also means, like, the grabber to take. Okay. So to seize, and, and grab, take, and it derived from the word capper. See, I always thought it was right, from the paper, copper, right. uh, the, the buttons. That was what I was told. And I always thought it was constable on patrol. Okay. So there you right, go. Well, our buttons are actually brass, so we never really use copper buttons. Uh, I, that's another good point. And we also wore those heavy wool pants. Remember those? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, the heavy wool reefer jackets <laughs> in wintertime. I mean, I've, I've been a cop 30 years in Florida. Wool. I, well, see, there's yeah. Florida policing and there's Baltimore policing. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't policing. do a lot of good in Florida. The weather was a, a totally different uh, scenario. I don't know what you guys do in the cold weather. I That would be one thing I'd have a tough time with. There was one thing I do remember, and uh, in the summertime, in Baltimore, and also in the wintertime, if you got like a call to a fire scene where you had to direct traffic in the wintertime, right. I don't care what you wore. The, between the, the moisture and the coolness, it would get right to the bone. Right. And in the summertime, oh, yeah. it would be absolutely, positively roasting. So what would you choose, to be cold on the job or hot on the job? Cold. Yeah, cold. cold. You can always warm down. Exactly. You could not get cool below those soft body yeah. armor. We couldn't. Yeah. And trying to get the AC to blow on your soft body armor, especially after a foot chase, that was just brutal. Well, well you see, they, oh, would, yeah. they have solutions to that now. You have tubes going into your vest that you could hook up. I guarantee you one thing, Baltimore never spring for that. They would never pay for that at all. <laughs> now, now you'd have to buy that yourself. I'll tell you, during the uh, blizzard of, I think it was 96, we were riding around at Humvees, and it was freezing, and I found a tube up underneath the dash on the passenger side, and I pulled it over, and I was warming myself off with this tube. And when he pulled over the end of the shift to let me out, he goes, oh, by the way, officer, can you hook that tube back up so the rest of us can get some heat? <laughs> <laughs> Kenny Driscoll. If I'd have known, everybody else wasn't getting heat. But We were going to have you back as a, as a guest for sure because there's so many different stories to talk about and history. And what people don't realize or they may not know is in your 
researching in Baltimore history, Baltimore police history, you've also become pretty knowledgeable about Mid-Atlantic, New York, Philadelphia, and those areas and their police departments as well. Yeah, you have to a little bit to uh, to do the comparisons to find out what are the differences and, and what makes a Baltimore police a Baltimore police. Kenny, can you share maybe a tidbit with something that you found out during all your research and all your time working on the history of Baltimore PD? Well, one of the interesting things I found was with the Espantuna is that there was a everybody's always been trying to figure out where did the word Espantuna come from and, and what makes an Espantuna an Espantuna or what makes a nightstick an Espantuna. Found different things that gave, but it's really hard to explain it. So then I was reading an article maybe two months ago, three months ago, and the guy said, "In it, if a Baltimore City police officer gives his Espantuna to a, to a Baltimore County officer, does it stay in Espantuna?" No. <laughs> the answer is no. And if, or if a New York officer is driving through Baltimore when he hits Baltimore City and drives through the city, it's his nightstick in Espantuna. And again, no. it's no. And tell me so, the reason so, why. First of all, the Espantuna is made up, or all nightsticks are made up of certain parts. You got your handle, which in Baltimore is not a handle; it's a barrel head. Right. Which is also again where we might have ruined the language a little bit because a barrel head. If you look back, it's also called a barrel head, and that's the striking end. So what makes an Espantune or a nightstick an Espantune is we hold it from the end, the other end, the right. shaft end, and we swing that the barrel head. That explains it all. When's the last time you actually try to spin your Espantune? Actually, I, I do it often. I, I can do it in a wheelchair. Do me I have a, a favor. Video of myself. Have Patty yeah. film a video of you spinning the, the Espantune from your wheelchair, and I promise right. you we'll post it. We got to get that, Kenny. Will you do that for us? Yeah, I already have it. I'll, I'll send it to you tonight. Awesome. And I will go ahead. I'll dig out my old Espantune, and I'll, I'll try to shoot some video of me slinging that thing. With, and I'll try not to, to, to hit myself in areas that really yeah, hurt. We're, you guys from Baltimore are a different breed. <laughs> Definitely a different breed. <laughs> Kenny, thanks so much for joining us, and we will have you back as a guest, I promise. Hey, you take care. I just want to let you know I have Turk with me the whole time. He, he had to, I had to come out to the car to talk to you. Turk is, is your service dog. That's my boy. How and old is he Turk He wouldn't let now? me come out of the house. He's three years old now, and he wouldn't let me come out. He's sitting here. He's nice and quiet waiting well, for us to go back in. Get us a video of both of you when you send it in, please. I'd like to see uh, Turk and Kenny. Uh, By the way, there's a reason why he's named Turk, and I found out what that is the other day. Oh, yeah. What, Turk what, was the name of our first canine dog. In the police department's history. In Baltimore. There you go. Right. Kenny, Kenny Driscoll, retired Baltimore police detective. Thanks so much, brother, and you have an awesome day. You guys take care. Bye-bye. It's been a pleasure, Kenny. Joining us on the phone from Gainesville, Florida, and the Gainesville Police Department, Police Officer Bobby White, also known as the Basketball Cop. Bobby, thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. You are the Basketball Cop, and we'll get into Basketball Cop Foundation in a moment. Tell us how this whole thing started. You just received a call for service in Gainesville, correct? Yeah, it was, it was a call that popped up on our dispatch screen, a, a noise complaint, basically, and reading the notes there, it said it was kids playing loud they're playing basketball in the street and being loud so i looked at it as an opportunity to go you know meet some new kids and self-assign myself to the call actually and so you went there and you, you started talking to kids and see in my day we didn't have this dash cam video recorder you had that and left it running and, and what did the video capture you can see you know when i when i pulled up there's just a couple kids out there and autrell who i know is autrell now i'm very close with him now but i didn't know him at the time was out there and, and richard one other kid who also i'm really close with we're just playing and you can tell immediately and i know the video doesn't really show it but 
you can tell that he just wasn't happy that I was there, that he wasn't expecting anything positive about the police being there. So when you got there, you could have said, hey, take it off the street, everything else. That's not what you did. Yeah. You know, I could have drove by and looked at it and never stopped and, and just cleared the call as this isn't a noise complaint. Or you could have technically, you know, they're playing ball in the street, which there's probably a law against it somewhere deep in that thick book, but not one that I'm willing to enforce. You know, that's what I like to do. You know, I've always done it my whole career is any opportunity I can to get out there and have a positive interaction with with the community as a whole, but with kids especially, I, I take advantage of it. And, and those opportunities know, don't come that often. So when you do, I mean, I used to love talking with kids and talking to people in the neighborhood. Loved it. Yeah, and to me, there's a lot of opportunities. There, you know, in between calls, you you can do whatever you want to do at most agencies. You're free roaming. You you know, you can go be proactive in, in any way you want. And then even on calls for service, you know, there's always an opportunity, unless it's some dynamic call that you just can't do it. There's always an opportunity to have some positive interaction with not only the people on the call, but the people you interact with, you know, around the call. So that's why I, I try to find opportunities every chance I can. And Bobby, for people that aren't aware, the video in question kind of went viral for you and became a, a celebrity. Yeah, it went quite viral quite quick. And I didn't even know it was being posted. Our PIO, Ben Tobias, who in my opinion is one of the best PIOs in, in law enforcement, he's always looking for dash cam videos or, or pictures or any anything that he can shine a positive light on us. And he learned of the video and he did it without me even knowing. He posted that video at like 2 p.m. and by midnight that day it had over a million views. It was nuts. Yeah, that's an interesting point that your PIO is using dash cam to set a positive image for what we're doing on the street. And he's actually out there vigilantly looking for that type of film to show. Well, the media won't. No, well. They don't do it. And and it's showing him doing something that people don't really associate with what we do on the job. That's right. And by the way, for those who don't know, PIO stands for Public Information Officer. Some people might be going, PIO, that sounds awful close to other things that aren't complimentary. (laughs) Yeah, and, and ours, we're lucky enough, nothing, there's nothing wrong with having a civilian PIO in law enforcement, but ours, is, he's an officer, he's been an officer a long time, he's done a lot of different things, he's a really good officer to begin with, and have him and his passion for law enforcement behind his work is, is just great. It's a huge plus for us. So did he call you and say, by the way, uh, this thing's blowing up? No, he sent me a text. He said, go look at our Facebook, and learned afterwards, I learned that I think he put that thing together. He has a little side hobby of photography and videography, and he's real good at editing stuff and adding all the fancy subtitles. And And he did it at his desk at work, and he said it only took him like 30 minutes. And he had to go to a meeting, and he hit post, and he sent me a text going, go check out our Facebook, and went to the meeting. And so I knew about it the second he posted it, and I went and looked at it, and I was like, that's cool. And then I seen the views. I seen he posted like two minutes ago or whatever, and it already had maybe a hundred views. I was like, "Wow, that that's a lot!" And then I refreshed the page, and I just kept refreshing, and it was unbelievable how fast it was growing. And then we're texting back and forth. So, like, what, are you watching this? And <laughs> yeah, it was pretty crazy. So, off of this video, what kind of exciting things have happened and allowed you to do just off of that initial contact you made with the kids playing basketball? 
the police department just got bombarded with emails and phone calls and voicemails and um, wanting to thank me and the department. And I didn't see know, that it, on the news. Yeah, it was actually on HLN. Well, I didn't know this until a couple of days later, but HLN actually showed it on their morning express show that following morning. Wow. Um, so they caught wind of it and just played it. And I don't think I've ever seen it, that one, but I heard it was on there. Yeah, so it just started getting a ton of ton of attention. And then the, the media outlets did start calling, wanting to interview me. And how were yeah. you with that? What was your initial response? My initial response was, was no. You know, by morning, I went to sleep at like midnight. In the morning, my phone is blowing up and it's Ben and he's calling and texting and emailing and just going, Bobby, you need to wake up. You need to get up. You need to get up. This video has like 4 million views now. And finally I answered him and he's like, hey, you need to come in. I know you don't work till four. You need to come in here. There's, you know, news for Jacksonville's on their way over now and they want to interview and, you know, all these different TV stations. I'm like, no. And he's like, what do you mean, no? You know, he's he's the public information officer. He's now a social media millionaire. And, you know, that's what every social media manager, I guess, dreams of is having a viral video. And part of his job is that liaison between the department and the media. And, and he was excited that we were going to talk about this. And I, I just said, no, I'm not doing it. And, why not? Um, why didn't what was your initial hesitation from or why? Well, it's just when the video went viral in itself, I, I thought this is, that's cool. It's a cool video, you know, and he did a really good job editing it and the hoops, not crime hashtag and the, we're going to let kids be kids. And I think that's, that's really cool. But for me, it was just me at work. Just you know, a day on just another me day doing on what job. I do and what thousands and thousands of cops do every day. So Correct. I told Ben, I said, I am absolutely not going to get on in front of a camera and kind of Exploit myself. Exploit the situation. Right. That that thousands of cops. It's it's undue credit. I, I don't deserve it. it. Unless you can get every cop in America that's out here doing it on my interview, then I'm not doing it. He he kinda understood. He was a little disappointed, but he got it. I said, You do the interview. So I'm like, It's your video. You you go talk about it. <laughs> that's you your job, it. not mine. <laughs> right. So something changed your mind, though, because eventually you started doing those interviews. What was the first one you decided, okay, there's a reason why I need to do this? The first thing, he, he said, how about will you just do our couple local TV stations? We have a relationship with them in our community, and we don't want to shun them. And, and I understood that. So I'm like, I'll do you know our local TV stations. And he's like, fine. You know, He's disappointed in me a little bit, but he got it. And then he, he texts me like an hour later and he goes, just say yes. Don't say no. One more interview, please just say yes. And I'm like, who is it? And he said, it's uh TMZ sports. And I immediately said, Nope, not doing it. Cause I've seen that. It's like a Skype interview and I'm not doing all that. And he said, uh, well, they want to get, they said they want to get the NBA involved. And I was like, they're not going to get the NBA involved to do anything for me. If, if anything, if the NBA gets involved, something really cool might happen for these boys mm-hmm. who they don't have a whole lot. They'd never get to go to a game or anything like that. So I was like, you know what? I'll do it. I'll do this one just for the chance of that happening. So I did the interview. It got a little bigger. And they, they had Tracy McGrady. I don't know if you know who he is. I remember him. Absolutely. He came on, surprised me on the 
show that they did there on Skype and um, thanked me for what I did and all that. And, you know, that was cool. So afterwards, you know, I went home and, and at the end of the original viral video, you might notice that I asked them if they play here all the time because we were real busy that day. And I was actually going to get on the radio and call for a few more officers to come play some ball right then, but we were too busy. It wasn't appropriate. So I'm like, if you guys play out here every day, I'm going to come back with backup on another day. And that's what I intended on doing is getting a few officers going, hey, there's some really cool kids. Let's go play some ball. Well, apparently, and I found this out later, is TMZ Sports contacted Shaq. And because Shaq's a reserve police officer. He's a big supporter of law enforcement. Yeah, huge. So when they contacted Shaq, Shaq had already saw the video. And getting to know Shaq now, I've had multiple interactions with him and you ask him to do this, he's going to do that, and it's going to be bigger and better. So they asked him to be on the show, and he goes, no, I'm not going to be on the show. You get someone else to do that. I'm going to drive to Gainesville, and I'm going to surprise him, and I'm going to be his backup. Nice. So that's what he did. And, and Ben, he swore Ben to secrecy, and nobody knew. No one at all knew. Ben just told me, your game is Saturday at 1. Make sure the boys are home. And I knew something was going on. Honestly, I thought T-Mac was coming. Right. And – um. And then Shaq walks in our briefing room that day. So once that happened, there was no more resisting the media. It was now it was huge. I mean, Good Morning America and Fox and Friends and everybody was calling. And I was still hesitant. But what really got me was all of the comments of we need more cops like you. All cops aren't bad and those kind of things. And at the same time, we, I started getting a few donations of basketballs coming into the station and basketball goals saying, hey, go do this again. Go donate this goal and go recreate this and, and keep doing what you're doing because you're like the one cop that'll do this kind of stuff. And it, it kind of bothered me. Like, you know, the, the whole all cops aren't bad thing really bugs me. Here it bothers it. me immensely, too. I know the intent is there and people don't necessarily mean what it, what it means to me, but... You know, it's it's most cops are great. To me, it's implying that if you're saying all cops aren't bad, you're implying that most of them are. I've never you know? heard people say, you know, all school teachers aren't bad, all doctors aren't bad. I've never heard it switched for other professions. And the reality right. is the vast majority of police I've met across the country are good people doing an outstanding job the best they can. And the minority, the very small minority, are the bad ones. And no one wants yep. them around. We don't want them around. No, absolutely. So when that, when that happened, something clicked in my head and said, you know what? I have these donations coming in. People want to help. People want to start giving me stuff to go recreate this. So I can do two, one of two things. I can take all these goals and I can go deliver them all myself and continue the narrative of we need more cops like me and I'm the one good cop. Or I can start giving these things to other police departments and other agencies and other cops that I know would love to go do this. They just don't have the resources to do it and show people, look, here's, there's another basketball cop in Idaho. There's one in New York. There's one, you know, in Texas. So I decided to start the foundation while a lot of people were watching what I was doing and interested and with the hopes of being able to show the world that, First of all, that there's basketball cops everywhere, and look how easy it is for me to get cops to go do this. And then second, we're building relationships with those cops and those kids in cities all over the country. So that's what 
motivated me to to start the foundation. So it's called Basketball Cop Foundation? Yep, Basketball Cop Foundation. Now, you guys are building courts across the country. You're doing a lot of things. And all this takes money, and it takes time, and it takes labor. Is there a way that people listening right now can get involved, maybe make donations? Absolutely. The foundation was started on a GoFundMe account. And that GoFundMe account is still up, and I'll always keep it up. It's a 501c3 nonprofit organization, tax exempt by the IRS. It's almost exclusively funded by community crowdfunding. And the reason I like that, eventually we're going to have to start reaching out and applying for grants. And, you know, if I want to do bigger things, it's going to take bigger money. But the thing I love about the community crowdfunding through GoFundMe or or CrowdChange or PayPal is that I love for the community to feel like they are a part of this, not that they're just watching from the outside, you know, not that some big corporations just giving me money and we're going to do this, but they're actually, it's their baby. they're actually making it happen. It, it won't happen without them. So community crowdfunding is where we get most of our funding. And uh, on my webpage at basketballcop.net, there's an actual donate button at the top and it takes you to all the donation op- options. So that website again is basketballcop.net. Correct. So you're a full-time patrol officer. And you're doing yeah. the foundation, and you're spending time working with local kids. What free time do you have in your life now? Uh, when I sleep, is pretty much free for me, which isn't enough. You know, it's turned into, like, today's my day off. I have five days off in a row now. I work four-on-four four off. We have a pretty cool schedule at the Gainesville Police Department. Every day, just about, on my days off, I'm doing something, whether it's an interview like this or an event or something going on and it's it's kind of like flipped to when i'm on patrol on my days that i work are my weekend that's 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 when i just get to go to work and do a regular job that's pretty straightforward and i get to go play with the kids i have a question bobby for you obviously just based on everything we're listening to we're pretty much amazed and me and jay want to say thank you for shedding light on on some of the different things that police officers do other than what the media portrays. My question to you is, you actually alluded to it at the beginning of the interview, is how has what you've done affected those kids and the kids around that neighborhood? I can tell you that those original eight boys that day, they're like my second family. I'm with them all the time. I do things with them on the weekends. You know, they'll, they'll call me if they need something. And they've been interviewed by everybody. They've been interviewed by ESPN and CNN and NBC. And I listen to these interviews and they ask them that question, like, you know, how do you feel about the police? And they all kind of say the same thing as we weren't sure about the police before. We really didn't trust the police. We heard that the police were bad. And which is interesting because they, none of them said that we've had any firsthand experience, but we've heard, we've heard that the police are bad. We, and that's through social media and, you know, people in the neighborhood talking and they say they don't feel like that anymore, that they feel that the, that the police are there to help them and that they're, you know, the police aren't bad at all, that they're actually their friends and that they can be friends with them. And so those eight boys, it's, it's made a huge impact. And and I can tell you, you know, when, when I drive through the neighborhoods now, it's not just them, it, it's everywhere I go. And you, you can see some of the videos on my Facebook page where the kids run to my car mm. and they didn't always do that. And they know your you name. Know, and, the people in the neighborhood know your name. Oh, uh, they all know my name and, and they run to my car and I try to bring other officers with me and introduce the other officers to these kids so we don't create that good cop, bad cop. I'm doing everything I can to 
avoid that as possible and, and put different cops in front of these kids. And so they see like, wow, they're, they're all the same. They're all nice. They nice all like people. to well, I want to thank you so around. very, very much. Years ago, I did a morning show at uh, Mix 94.3 in Lake City, just outside of Gainesville. Gainesville, one of my favorite places in Florida. It's a, a wonderful town. Great police department. Alachua County Sheriff's Department, another great agency. So please, please, on behalf of me, Robert Greenberg, and everybody in law enforcement today, I want to say thank you. And also, be sure to tell your bosses and other patrol officers, we said thank you for the hard work they do in their service and sacrifice. It's greatly, greatly appreciated. Absolutely, I will. And, and thank you for having me on. Very passionate about what I do. I love telling our story. And and uh, hopefully we get some people following along and fired by what we're doing. Thanks so much. And folks, remember, get more details and make donations at basketballcop.net. Bobby White, Gainesville Police Department, thanks so much. Thank you, Bobby. So the term cop, Robert, we have a certain attitude, a certain stigma, a certain stereotype that people have when they think of the term cop, don't we? We do. We Everybody does. And what generally is that? It, well, according to everybody on Facebook, uh, we've discussed this at length. Most people are not at all offended by the term so it would be someone who's ready to do courageous things and go into battle and fight crime i i think it's looked at it positively okay so that's a good example of the term cop and what it signifies people like kenny driscoll retired police detective baltimore police department and bobby white from gainesville police department show a totally different side of what cops truly are Correct. what kind of people they truly are. And they have you know, a wide, vast areas of interest. They're family people. They're actively involved children, not just in Gainesville, but across the United States. Right. And the reason we want to show that is we're not what you see on the media. It's not one-dimensional. No. We're and police work's not even in close to one-dimensional. Right. The part of arresting people and stuff like that is a small, small aspect small. of the job. And it's a great term that I heard. We want to humanize that badge. People... We're just like you and at home, on the job. We're just ordinary people just doing a very, very difficult job. Sometimes and you see some horrible things. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And we will be back on Monday with another episode of Law Enforcement Day Radio Show. And the reason why we say that is because some things will be happening in the future. It's just we don't want to shoehorn ourselves into a little category of just podcast. And speaking of podcasts, you can listen on our website, lawenforcementtoday.com. You can also listen at iTunes, Google Play, the Stitcher Radio app, our Spreaker. Just be search for Law Enforcement Today. And be sure to subscribe so you get the latest episode as soon as it is available. So on behalf of Robert Greenberg and Jay Wiley, until next time, see ya. Thank you.